Well, Jesus talks about riches and rewards. That's where we're going today, right here on New Hope Radio. Don't forget, you can catch us also live right now, newhoperadio.live, YouTube and Facebook, as well as WARV. As we walk with Jesus through Mark's Gospel, what we're doing, we're really focusing on the words in red, looking especially at the things Jesus said, because we want to look into his heart. I want to see what's important to the Lord. We saw last time the question that a young man asked Jesus. He asked him about eternal life. How do I get eternal life, Jesus? Jesus told him he had too much stuff. Sell it all and become a disciple. Be a follower of Christ. Go with him. Now, Jesus wasn't dealing with the doctrine of salvation. He was dealing with the man's heart. That's what he was doing. Doctrine means nothing if the heart is not right. Okay? Remember that. Doctrine means nothing if the heart is not right. It all begins with the heart because that's where we live life from. Even Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, hey, you can know it all. You can talk like an angel, but if you lack love in your heart, you're just a lot of noise. That's all you are. It's a lot of noise. So when Jesus said, listen, get rid of all your stuff. Come and follow me. You know what happened? The man sadly walked away because he had much stuff. Wow. His eyes were in the wrong place. And Jesus said, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. He didn't say impossible, but he said it was really difficult. One man calls this the peril of riches. So the disciples, they were amazed at the words of Jesus. And why were they amazed at what he said? Because the Jews had believed that prosperity was a sign of a good man, and it was God's blessing on him. In other words, Wealth was proof of excellent character and favor with God. Man, don't we hear that today? Don't we hear that today from the false teachers? That wealth is a sign of God's blessing on your life. Now, in some cases it could be. But in many cases, no. Doesn't have to be. Not at all. The disciples thought along the lines of everybody else Wealth was a sign of God's blessing. So it's like, why would Jesus ask this guy to give up his stuff and follow him when he's obviously in the right place with God? And Jesus is saying, no, he's not really in the right place with God because his eyes are on his stuff and they're not on God. So in verse 24, we're in Mark chapter 10, Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Now, it's interesting. Only the King James Version has the phrase, for them that trust in riches. The New American Standard just says how hard it is for them to enter the kingdom of God. Hmm, 
little difference there. Now, the omission is accurate, actually, because it is hard to enter the kingdom of God apart from anything but faith. Nothing else can get anybody in. Nothing. Not one thing. Not a person's good nature. Not a person's good works. Not a person's good reputation. Nothing can get us into the kingdom of God except faith. And to trust in anything but Christ is really to lock oneself out of the kingdom. Oh, you don't want to do that. You don't want to lock yourself out of the kingdom. So what you need to do is get faith in Christ. Jesus saw the dangers of prosperity and of riches more than anyone else. And like I said, sadly, we have modern preachers today. They espouse the same belief system as the ancient Jewish teachers. You want to be in God's will? Get blessed. God will make you healthy. God will make you wealthy. Just send your money to me and God will take care of you. Don't you worry about that. Let me let me tell you something. If your heart is not right, like I said, doctrine means nothing. And if your eyes are on wealth, your eyes are not on God. Think about it. If your eyes are on wealth, they are not on God. I tell businessmen all the time that own their own business, work smarter, not harder. A lot of guys, Christian men, right? They own their own business. They work seven days a week. I'm like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Give God his due and let him bless you. But you work seven days a week. You're just striving. And you're leaving God out of the picture. Give God his due. God will take care of the rest. I believe that. So we've got today three dangers of looking at the world through money. Okay? And by the way, many people guilty, even Christians, guilty of this. So let's learn something today. Number one, material possessions fix a man's heart to this world. They do. That's the connecting link. The Apostle John said, Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father, uh uh-oh, is not in him. That's 1 John 2.15. If you love the world and the things in the world, God's love is not in you. Remember Jesus one time said, You can't serve two masters, God and money? Get to pick one. Pick who you will serve. One time a man was shown around a famous castle. It had lovely grounds, magnificent horses, beautiful gardens and fountains. And after he took his stroll all around the estate, and he saw it all, he turned to his friend and he said, these are the things that make it difficult to die. And isn't that true? Isn't it true? Because there's things in the world that people want to hold on to. And in many cases, we let go of God in order to hold on to the things of the world. Secondly, if a man's interest is in material possessions, it makes him think of everything in price. Price should not be confused with value. Okay? A price is affixed to what can be bought. Value is often priceless. Okay? There are things in life. They have great value, and you can't buy them. But things with a price, oh yeah, you can buy them. You know that. You can't buy manners, integrity, honor, a good name. These are all valuable. 
They're greater than putting a price on it. And yet some people will sell them off for money. How about that? They'll sell off their good name or they'll sell off their honor or their integrity for a price. That's a bad, bad exchange. Okay? Thirdly, heed what Jesus said about material things. Remember when he told the story of the rich man and Lazarus? The rich man, oh, he fared sumptuously every day. Lazarus the beggar was at his gate every day, and the dogs would come to lick his wounds, and he would just beg for crumbs from the rich man's table. And the rich man gave him nothing, and then they died. Lazarus was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, paradise. The rich man died and went to torments. There's the difference. The rich man was so consumed with what he had, he never set his eyes on what he was missing. Lazarus had nothing, and it opened up his eyes to what he could have. He had God, and he had the kingdom of God. You see how material things can be blinding? Oh, yes. They can blind us to what's really important. You know what's important? That which is eternal. Why? Because it lasts forever. It lasts forever. That's why. That's why it's the most important thing. It's eternal. The things that are temporal, eh, they take a back seat. For 100 men who can handle adversity, there's only one who can handle prosperity. So you think about it. How much, how many people have been destroyed by prosperity? How many people have hit the lottery and became alcoholics and drug addicts? And there's a lot of athletes today. At one time, they were multimillionaires and they were all bankrupt and in debt. Why? They can't handle prosperity. That's the problem. Better to be in adversity than prosperity. Every person will be judged according to how they use their possessions, how they got them, how they use them. That's why the Apostle John said, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, and closes his heart against him? How does the love of God abide in him? First John 3.17 James said something very similar. If someone comes to you in need, and they need clothing and food, don't say, I'll pray for you. Give them what they need. <laughs> Make your Christianity real. How do we handle what we have? We'll come into the judgment. It certainly will. So Jesus said in verse 25, he gave kind of a a riddle, I guess. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, there was an old Babylonian proverb that said, a man did not even in his dreams see an elephant pass through the eye of a needle. Now, Elephants were common in Babylon, but not in Palestine. So the Jews substituted camel for elephant. It is easy for a camel, because people can relate to that, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Well, is that of one lump or two? (laughs) I don't think it matters. There was a Talmud proverb. This was the book of civil and ceremonial law, and it said, a needle's eye is not is not too narrow for two friends, nor is the world wide enough for two enemies. 
Think about that. A needle's eye is not too narrow for two friends, nor is the world wide enough for two enemies. The illusion is reference to a narrow gate where two friends can easily work together, but two enemies can never work together. Two enemies cannot live together no no matter how big the world is, yet two friends can do the impossible together. That's what that means. Friendship is so important. That's a value that you cannot put a price on. You can't buy a friend. I'll tell you what, if you buy a friend, you're only going to lose that friend when you run out of money. You cannot buy friends because they're your friend for the wrong reason. Okay? So, if a camel cannot get through the eye of a needle, it's impossible to be saved. Based on what? Anything but faith. So the disciples were even more astonished and they said to Jesus, Oh, then who can be saved? And Jesus responded in verse 27, we're in Mark 10, looking at them, Jesus said, With people it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So Jesus is giving them a lesson on soteriology. Soteriology is the saving work of Christ. The work of salvation belongs to God. Not what man has or what man does. It's impossible for a man to do something to get into the kingdom of God. But he can't accept the invitation and be welcomed in. What gets us into heaven? The invitation. The invitation of God himself. And when you say yes to that invitation, which is Christ, the door is wide open and you can walk through. So that's what Jesus had to say about riches. Now he's going to speak about rewards. Peter asked Jesus what they would get for leaving everything and following him. And Jesus said in verse 29, he said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, here it comes, verse 30, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Now, what is Peter thinking? What is he thinking? Jesus said salvation is not in what you have or what you do. The young man walked away because he liked his stuff. And Peter says, well, wait a minute. What will we get? We gave it all up. Jesus, we did give all our stuff away. And we walked away from our jobs and we followed you. Like you told that this, that other guy to do. But we did it. What do we get? Well, maybe because the man, like I said, refused. The disciples thought, hey, we made a good choice. Whatever it costs you to follow Christ, you get back much more. 
So Peter's like, what are we going to get? Now, many of you know that Christianity may have cost you some of your family because you became born again and they didn't understand it and you became an outcast. But you know what happened? You got a new family, the family of God. Some of you have lost friends because they, they're like, oh man, you don't have fun like we used to anymore. You're no fun. We don't want to hang around with you. And you know what God did? He gave you more friends. That's why you join a local church. You get more friends that are more on the same page with you. Hey, maybe you lost your house, but you have a greater acceptance with God. You have the whole kingdom of God that God will give you. See, God has given us much, much more in return. And many, many believers, including the Apostle Paul, when their own family rejected them, they entered into the wider family of Christ. And for those of you that have been following Christ for a number of years, I think you can honestly say, yes, I have new brothers and sisters in Christ. I have a greater circle of friends, really good people. I have an acceptance. I know God's kingdom waits for me. There's so much more. And you have it in this life, too. You have it right now. Think of it. When we join the family of Christ, we all become brothers and sisters. This is the solution to racial problems in the world. Racism in America, it's escalating. And if people understood the body of Christ, there'd be no racism. There was a man named Ikao N. Yanko. He was writing for the New York Times. And he wrote in an article, I will teach my children suspicion, and I will teach them distrust. I will have to discuss with my boys whether they can truly be friends with white people. That's what he wrote in the New York Times. To me, that only escalates the problem. Children don't know racism. Parents do. Adults do. And many times they pass it down to their children. But you see, it's the body of Christ that breaks down barriers between people. It's the body of Christ. And there are Christian churches that are racist, but you know what? They're, they're in darkness. They're in darkness. They're apostate. Because I'll tell you why. The Apostle Paul said, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Where did he say that? Galatians 3.28. We're all one. And that's the body of Christ. The beautiful body of Christ makes us all one. Are we different? Of course we are. But can we love each other? Of course we can. So Jesus did promise to give back more than what one lost for following him. But wait. Jesus added something in verse 30. Persecutions. And that really silences the prosperity movement. Jesus is saying, part of your reward for righteousness is persecution, along with the riches. Why? Because we're living in an anti-God world. It's the spirit of Antichrist that is in the world and turns people 
from God. And Jesus said in verse 31, Many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. First means protos, in order of importance. Last is eschatos, the lowest. Jesus is dealing with a man's pride. What he's saying is, people who think themselves important in God's evaluation will end up least important. So this is a warning that God will have the last say. Don't compare yourself to others in the world. Stay humble. Consider yourself lowly, and you'll be first in God's roll call. You'll be the most important to God. Okay? See, the things that Jesus said 2,000 years ago, they're very pertinent today. That's the beauty of the Word of God. It doesn't go out of date. Some people say, oh, the Bible's outdated. No. If you understand it, it, the the problems from 2,000 years ago can be solved today with the same solution, the inspired Word of God. Let's go back, and I'm going to read just the words of Jesus beginning in verse 24 of Mark 10. Children, how hot it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. With people it is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Truly I say to you, there is no one who was left house or brothers, or sisters, or mothers, or father, or children, or farms, for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will not receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Oh, the words of Jesus. I'll tell you what. They warm your heart. They really put things in perspective, don't they? They do for me. I don't know about you. They do for me. It shows that, yes, things will be justified in the end. Justice will prevail. Okay, next time we're together, Jesus talks about his sacrifice and true servanthood. You know, there's a connection there. Because when we understand the sacrifice of Christ, you know what the response becomes? I want to be a servant. True servanthood. That's the response. Think about it. Think about how life-changing the words of Jesus are. You can just sit and read his words and it'll hit you right in the heart. And all of a sudden it starts to speak to you and show you and redirect you. And it brings to the surface that which is important, important to God. And if you're a person of faith, what's important to God is important to you. That's a good way to tell if you have faith. Am I tracking with God? Am I lined up with God? Are His values my values? Are His priorities my priorities? I see His ways. Do I want my ways to complement His ways and my will to complement His will? That's faith. 
That's faith talking. And that's why we do that. So never neglect the Word of God. Oh, it's so good. Are you in a church? If so, beautiful. If not, find a church that preaches the Word of God, where you can have an extended family, where you can have a godly fellowship, where you can have a support system, where you can have people that are walking the same walk as you, same journey, iron sharpens iron, right? Do that. Do that. Jesus created the, the church, the worldwide universal church and the local church. For what? The equipping of the saints to help us all become one, unified in the body of Christ. Is a purpose for the church, a dynamic purpose for the church. And the church does great things, but the church is people. And the more people, the more greater the things. Do you know what Jesus said? He said, you'll do greater things than I did. And the word greater, it meant more in number. More in number. Why? Because there's more of us. Jesus was one person. But there's millions of us. So we can have a great effect upon the earth, upon people. But we've got to be connected. We've got to be united. And we've got to share a same love. That's the important thing. There are no divisions in the body of Christ. Nothing racial, nothing financial, nothing geographical, nothing social. There are no divisions that Christ has made us all one in him. We have to remember that. Don't forget next time Jesus talks about his sacrifice and true servanthood. Come on, I'm going to say it again. Join the Hope Club. We need you. We need you. Get a devotional in the email box Monday through Friday. Send off $3 a week to New Hope Radio. Go to newhoperadio.live. Click on the menu bar. You can read all about it, how to get on board. And uh, you'll be helping us and, you know, we'll be helping you. Get a lot of positive responses from the Hope Club devotionals. And they'll really help you and your walk with Christ. And that's what we want to do. We want to help you, help you to grow, help you to stand strong, walk firm with Christ. Okay? All right. Thank you for coming along today. We'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.